Hello, everyone. Welcome to Go for Set Deck. My name's Shana Worsham, and you can join me while I beg my editor not to completely murder me as I record this intro and outro during a thunderstorm <laughs> that you can very much hear lots of thunder. So we'll see how that goes. But thanks so much for listening. Today, we have a really fun industry tale with our art director friend named Kevin Houlihan. To give a little background on Kevin, he's done Endgame and Infinity Wars of the Avengers series, as well as American Horror Story Hotel, which was visually a really great season. I thought it was so beautiful. So enjoy this little chat we're about to enter with Kevin. Thank you so much, Kevin, for coming on. I am so glad that Nicholas connected us, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and so Nicholas is telling me that you are an art director, which is a position in the art department, so technically not part of Set Deck, but we work very closely with you guys. And I was wondering if you could give me kind of a, a little breakdown of what your position entails. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm basically the art director is somebody who works with the production designer to take kind of the concept and their vision and actually get it executed on screen. So uh, we go from anything from rough sketches to concept art to managing the set drawings that get made, uh, working with construction and paint, actually getting the construction done. Um, and then we're also big time coordinators. So uh, in the sense that we have to coordinate with all the other departments of so set deck particularly, you know, <laughs> coordinating with them on all the needs. Uh, but we also work a lot with all the other departments from VFX to special effects, really just kind of figuring out what uh, we need to do in that set and make sure that the set has everything that needs to, it needs to have to kind of do what the script wants it to do. So that's kind of the general synopsis. Yeah, it's a very, it was very, uh, very eloquently put. I enjoy that. And there tends to be more than one art director on a TV show or a movie, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the scale. So uh, I've done big shows where you've had as much as eight art directors on a movie, and then you can get on a smaller project uh, where it's just one art director or uh, an art director and assistant art director. Uh, So so it just depends on the scale. And really it comes down to like how complex is the show, right? So if you're doing a lot of location-based stuff where you don't have to do a lot, then you get a little bit more opportunity to have a smaller crew. But when you've got, you know, 20 big, you know, huge sets that have to get done, then you're going to have to have more people to spread that work out. Right. Exactly. That makes so much sense. You just keep adding positions until we can get the job accomplished. <laughs> and now you know why it's a $200 million movie. <laughs> Adds up so quick. <laughs> well, Nick was telling me about how you've worked internationally. And I'm so curious about this because I personally have not worked internationally. I've only been in America, a couple places around um, America, but never internationally. And I was wondering what places you've traveled to and kind of what the differences that you saw were in the industries. Uh, I actually have been really lucky with that. So, and it all happened kind of within a year. So uh, this is all kind of pre-COVID, obviously, since travel is no longer really out there. Uh, But basically I went abroad and I worked in uh, Bucharest, Romania on an upcoming sci-fi movie that is actually, we just released the trailer out. Uh, So that's coming out next month. Um, uh, so I worked there, and then following up to that, I actually went back uh, with the same production designer, and he was on a big series for Amazon, and we worked in London. Uh, and that was, I basically went out in November of last year and was there through March 
And my first trip back home, I came home and uh, that was like March 6th, I think I came home and I'm supposed to fly out a week later. And that's when all the travel restrictions hit. And so oh, no. that was the end of that show for me. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And then and that show was actually really crazy because uh, even though uh, we were based out of the UK, my position on that one was a supervising art director role. And they had two supervisors, one who was going to handle mainly the local stuff in the UK. And then I was going to be the international guy. So we were supposed to be going all around the world from Vietnam to Lisbon to Slovenia to Vancouver. I mean, it was going to be kind of all over the place. So I did get to do a little travel beforehand. So I got to go to Slovenia, uh, which was amazing. So it basically, it was a whole uh, scene up in the Alps. So, uh, so I was scouting on the back of like a bobcat in the Alps going, you know, just kind of Kind of one of those amazing moments where you just kind of sit there and you're like, is this what I get paid to do? <laughs> uh, it's yeah. real life. <laughs> it's real life. It's exactly right. It was, one, it was a very surreal moment. It was kind of fun because I'm just, I'm really, because the production designer didn't even want to go to that. So I was there on my own with a location manager and our local reps and just kind of trying to find like you know, the perfect spot for these scenes. So like just driving around the Alps looking for, you know, the best shot and the best slope and the best, you know, lighting and everything you know it was just kind of, it was a very fun fun project that sounds so awesome i'm insanely jealous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you were working in london for that little bit all right i have a question because i actually don't know this i haven't researched it so forgive my ignorance with it but are is is london are there workers non-union uh it is a non-union situation over there uh but, i mean it, there's kind of a union but it's not like our union here so it's, and it, they're, they are set up so differently, like, particularly set deck is completely set up differently. Oh, really? Oh yeah. So props falls under set deck. So the prop maker and everybody works with the set decorator. So it's a very different kind of system over there. Um, so, which I learned actually when I went over in Bucharest, uh, so I was working with Carolyn Lutz, who was our set decorator on that show. Uh, and she helped me kind of understand because I had never worked abroad and she had before. So she was very, very sweet and trying to help me to understand kind of how the different roles are different than what I'm used to, obviously. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a whole other world on that side of the pond. Wow. How interesting. So is it any different in art department at all, or is it kind of the same? As- no, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same. The only difference is, you know, here in the U S because of the way our, our union is set up. Uh, so uh, local 800 in particular, uh, it's, it's very kind of, skill specific. So uh, for example, I'm a dual card member of the guild. So I have an art directing card and a set designer card. I can be hired as an art director, but I can't work as a set designer. If I'm hired as a set designer, I can't work as an art director. Uh, Over there though, uh, they actually, they move up in the art department through set design. So it's kind of, so all the art directors are able to draw and they can do whatever they need to do on that side. Uh, So, which, uh, which was really great because everybody is very skilled on that side. Nice. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that changes any of the dynamics with the way you progress. Like, cause, you know, a lot of our directors want to design. That's the end goal for them. So I wonder if that's more helpful or more of a hindrance to people with that experience because you get more program-based training and then you also know what you're asking for when you become a designer. Absolutely. Well, I think the, the big difference is that if you're working with an art director over there, it's an automatic that you're working with somebody that has been working for X amount of years because they've made it up to art director, right? Versus on our side of the pond, some people can kind of just fall into it and it could be their first art directing job ever. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a whole new 
ball game. So there's a little bit of an experience level that comes with the title over there that doesn't necessarily come with the title here. Uh, but like you said, it could be it could be negative or it could be good. But I mean, the one thing you know is if you promote an art director up to production designer, they're going to have the skills, right? So uh, right. So that's that's a nice thing. Everyone that I've worked with from England specifically, because I've worked with a couple designers from England, and they've just been the loveliest designers and just completely amazing to work with. And I don't know if it's just a fluke that I met really great people, but everyone they send over here, I'm like, can you just stay and we just work together forever? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and I, I think, I mean, it's, I think everybody has their, their, their good ones and the bad ones. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had the luck, I had, I worked with a uh, British production designer over here on two movies back to back. Uh, and then that supervising art director for those movies then designed another show that I worked on. So, uh, so I, and I've got really good friends, some of them who stayed over who were British art directors who stayed here in the U.S. and got the green card. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there, there definitely is a different personality type, which is which is kind of fun uh, to kind of experience because they it just, there's those moments where they say something and it, first there's the ones where they, when they call you on the phone to talk and you're like, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> it's like the accent can be so thick and on the phone it's so hard to hear. Uh, but uh, it's fun. They have a really, you know, I, you know, as they would say, cheeky sense of humor. Uh, that can be very dry, but it's super witty, and you and it can go right over your head if you're not paying attention. So you got to pay attention. Absolutely. One of my first jobs on an actual movie, I did World War Z, like way back in the day, and I was an art department assistant. And I'm probably the world's worst art department assistant. I cannot cut for shit. Everything that you needed me to use an exacto knife for was going to be butchered. Hell, it was gonna be bad. I couldn't fix your printer, I couldn't attach your computer to the printer. Yeah. Uh, it was just all bad. And I had really great bosses that were like, Oh, we believe in you, and like, we just want to see you succeed. I'm like, I'm just gonna wash the dishes. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> there's only so much I can do. Um, yeah, but, uh, Nigel was our designer, and he couldn't say my name because my name's pronounced Shayna. So in England, everything has an R after certain sounds. So he would call me trainer. And it just, I just found it really endearing. <laughs> I actually got to work with Nigel very briefly. We were on a show. Uh, when was that? It was right around 2012. Um, and I was PAing at the time in the art department and he was designing it, but the show ended up going down. So before we got to start, so I was only in there for about two or three months, but it was fun because we had the ping pong table in the office and people kind of, you know, I mean, that that's the kind of, you know, the moment of kind of, they have fun. It's for, for the British, you know, it's, they work really hard, but it's all about kind of, uh, work to live, not live to work kind of mentality to an extent. So yeah. a very, it's a very happy environment and it feels, uh, like there's less pressure than a lot of my American movie experiences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, him and his wife are just so lovely. So I hope they're well. Yeah. Have you um, noticed any other differences in like the work style or the way the departments break down or just how getting around London and all of the crazy places you went were? Um, London, you know, it, it's just different in the sense of, I mean, anytime you go to a foreign country and especially when you go on your own, like I remember my first time going when we went to Bucharest, Romania, actually, I remember landing and getting there and having this panic attack in the hotel. Where, like, what have I done? 
because I went there on my own. Production designer wasn't coming out for like another three or four weeks. And it was just kind of a, oh my God, what, what? And I, I landed, went to the art department, which I was not expecting to do. The driver that they had picked me up and drove me to the art department that day, which was not what I was planning on. Uh, and they wanted to show me some of the stuff because they were so excited to like show me some of the work that they had done. And I walked in and it was one of these things where you walk on stage and they've made like this kind of beautiful sample that you can tell that they're all very proud of. And you're just kind of sitting there and you're looking at it because you realize how it's not right. And how do you professionally tell people that are all excited about it that this is not going to work? <laughs> yeah, that's like a politician face that you yeah. have to keep. Yeah, and it, it was literally like insane. So, and, and, you know, on your first day and that's your first impression after flying for nine hours, and you're just like, okay, this is not how I want to start my relationship with you people. But here we go. Uh, but, you know, I will say this, everybody was super receptive, both in the UK and in Romania. I think uh, they're, as much as you're excited to kind of see how they do things, they're also equally excited to see how you do something. Um, and what's nice is I've come from, uh, you know, I have some decent credits behind me. So it's kind of like when I came over, and same as the production center that I was working with, he's working on big, you know, Marvel features and you know, Paramount and all that, you know, Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. And so they are very excited because you're kind of coming at it from a perspective that they don't often get to have because they don't necessarily produce things at that level or that skill sometimes. Um, not in the, I mean, the UK obviously does, but uh, you know, Romania in particular didn't have that. So, you know, everybody was super receptive and welcoming. I mean, nobody made you feel like you were the outsider, which I thought was really nice because I feel like sometimes here in the art departments, you can walk into an art department and know right away if people like it. <laughs> absolutely it's not this art department it's absolutely fed tech as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a little bit of high school and then <laughs> everywhere <laughs> that's interesting though i love that they were so accepting and just like as curious as we are about how they do things and how they run things and it's i, I love that it's mutual another question i wanted to ask you was so you do you've done a lot of really large scale productions and have you noticed a really big difference in the large scale versus the smaller scale if you were to do something indie or um well i mean there's certainly there's kind of there's kind of two ways of approaching it i think from a creative standpoint uh obviously bigger budgets tend to have bigger sets and you know the more kind of over the top and kind of craziness so if you go from a superhero movie and you're doing alien planets and worlds and stuff like that versus if you're going to do an indie drama then Clearly, there's going to be some differences there. I think from a department-wise, though, the, the big difference would just be kind of like your level of interaction. So I think a lot of times you can get a lot more interaction with, uh, on those smaller projects because there's, again, a smaller staff. So as an art director on something smaller, um, you're going to touch more sets because there's not as many people to spread that workload out. Uh, uh, and depending, you know, you can have some big sets. So, you know, like I did American Horse Story Hotel uh, where I got to work on, you know, big beautiful atrium we you know recreated this whole hotel lobby out down at fox studios and you know we did we used every craft in the guild that which hadn't been used there in a while because so much big feature production has left la so we had everything from sculptors to staff shop to you know all all the painting the scenic things so wood was all hand painted you know, like that stuff that hadn't been seen in a while um at least at that level of, uh, of set so it was fun to kind of work with all that stuff uh, and you, you know, you're doing that, you're doing hotel rooms, you're doing uh, penthouse rooms, you're doing all the different things where 
typically that would get handed off to multiple art directors within this century if they kind of touch it all, which is really nice. Wow, that's so fun. I can't imagine being able to just completely outfit something so detailed. It just sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And, and on that, I was assistant art directing, uh, and it was really nice to kind of the art director I was working with was also super sweet and just you know, we really kind of, what was nice about that is because there was so much that we were both responsible for it was kind of a, a really nice handoff tag team effort so that's one of those situations where you have a really good experience and you can say that this worked out really well and if it just could have gone one of two ways and thank god it went the right way <laughs> that's awesome has there been any standout moments for you where it's just your craziest moment of your entire career that you can think of, or at least one of them, something that just sticks with you as one of your craziest? Um, I mean, there's a little, there's kind of two. I think I worked on the, the show I'm currently on. This is actually an experience of the show that I'm on right now, where uh, typically it's a, it's a big feature production where normally you would have more art directors. And in this case, we don't have more art directors. And it's funny, I actually watched a movie last night and I took a screen grab of the credits because in the credit, there are eight art directors listed. There were like four or six assistant art directors and there were 13 art PAs. And I had to laugh because on the show that I'm on, which is pretty much about the same scale, there are three art directors, <laughs> two PAs and three assistant art directors. So it's right now we're in a little bit of like tearing our hair out situation. And it was one of these shows that had gone down before COVID. So I wasn't on when they were originally on. And then, because I was on this other program in the UK, and so I got asked to come onto this uh, post the whole uh, industry-wide shutdown. And the schedule that we were handed was just kind of crazy. The, the, the complexity of the sets that had have to be turned around in a short time. That is certainly something that's kind of driven crazy. Um, but on the opposite side of that spectrum, I worked on a, uh, a Rob Zombie horror movie once where it was just kind of these things where, you know, you're working with a director who's a very kind of an, an orator and the right has a very specific style and a very specific thing that he wants done. And you've got somebody who will show up on set and you've shown them stuff and say, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. And then it gets on set and it's like, oh, this isn't what we wanted. <laughs> and it's like, you just, you hired extra crew. I like, I literally hired an extra crew to work around the clock to get something done. We flew machinery in from out of state we had to get producer approval to get it all in and then on the morning of the day comes in and just starts tearing it and turning it all upside down into something totally different and not to say that it didn't work but it was just that's one of those moments where you're just like okay seriously <laughs> i i tend to call those heartbreaking moments in my career <laughs> yeah, exactly just because you work so hard and you put so much effort into it and it's really hard to, to watch someone like your boss just tear it apart and you're like uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and we went right from that. The next set after that was, I would have to say, I would, I never thought in my life that I would, I would make this statement. Uh, but I had to build a 40 foot long vagina hallway. <laughs> Casual. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, right. that's something that's never been seen on a movie before. Uh, and that was literally, that was that we had to do. So it's, I mean, it's just, you just have these moments of like, again, I'm getting paid to do what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very bizarre moments in time. But yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes though, those are the most fun sets because they don't have to be grounded in reality. It's just. Yeah. 
crazy. And you're like, well, we could add this because why not? It's a made up thing anyway. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and what's funny about that is, you know, it, any other, you know, from director to director, have such different tastes and aesthetics that like another director would be like, are you fucking insane? No, we're not going to do that. And the other one's like, yeah, let's go. You know? So there's just totally, you just never know which. Absolutely. <laughs> like which bag you're opening. It's, yeah. 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 It's kind of funny. And there's, there's always people that have very specific things that they want specific ways, but then the rest of the big picture stuff doesn't matter or vice versa. And it is kind of crazy with work, work styles in general, I guess, because even if it's your director, your designer, your PA, everyone receives information so differently. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's always the challenge, right? So there's a little bit of the telephone game, like who actually heard it right. You know what? I I was talking about this with one of my friends, but I've noticed that pre-COVID, our schedules have always been crazy and our workloads have been crazy and you know, everything is crazy, but there's still a structure. You still get a schedule. You still are going to shoot these things by this time. And I feel like after, since COVID, all the shows that I've been talking to people about, they have an insane schedule that is not doable in normal times. And then they're, everyone's expecting it just to get done. And it feels a little like there is a push to just get content out. Absolutely. I mean, you think about it, everybody sat for months watching every show on Netflix and Apple TV and everything that was out there. And now they need to watch something new. Uh, and it's kind of a, you know, and it's also, you know, it's a backlog of these companies. I come from a corporate standpoint before I moved over to our department. Uh, and I know from a financial standpoint, they've got to make their money. They have to show their money year end over year end kind of thing. And so they took a huge hit and now they got to, well, I got to, they got to get this product, you know, get this product out or they look bad on their end. So it's just this, you know, it, I think it kind of forces the creative to suffer, obviously, uh, because they're pushing stuff through. Uh, and yeah, the way they're approaching it post COVID, you know, I think it depends show to show. I've worked on a couple big, you know, really decent sized shows uh, since. And, you know, one company handles it very differently than another company. So even though they're supposed to be these quote unquote industry standards, uh, I think those are, uh, more like suggestions. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It is. So. Yep. We uh, make a lot of jokes about that. I definitely, there's a lot of air quotes when we talk about COVID restrictions and, you know, all shows have their challenges and, you know, everyone I've talked to has a different experience than mine. And these people test more and these people test less and these people are getting vaccines because we're technically essential workers and these people aren't. And yeah, no, exactly. And it's, it's, there's kind of just some craziness that happens with that stuff too. And it's, I mean, the one thing I would say like the show that I'm currently on right now, we're prepping and they are being really mindful of a lot of stuff, but it also adds a bunch of pressure to it. So for example, we as a construction team would have to be, we have to be out of our sets like four weeks prior to shooting in order so that other departments can come in to do what they need to do. And that's, you know, typically you would go in and you'd have set deck. You literally would have construction guys working, set deck working, dripping electric lighting thing. Everybody's kind of stumbling over each other to an extent uh, and trying to get the set ready to go. And oh, here, literally. Yeah. And, and here it's going to be like, no, you guys need to be out. And it's kind of, they're saying it's a hard out because we're out and we're going to hand the set over. So, uh, but that just adds to the stress of these crazy timelines that we're making. Kind of do. There's a show that I'm closely 
working with people on it. And they are receiving the sets the day before they shoot. And Grip Electric fixtures and Phoenix, everyone's in there at the same time, which is the complete opposite of how it's supposed to work. I think that's always the most disappointing thing from the crew side of things is that even if we are told it's going to go one way, it never does. And it's, it's like, you'll get the set three days in advance and we don't. Yeah. I know. And that's the hard part. And then you guys are screwed. <laughs> oh yeah. It's yeah. It's a fun, fun experience when you're like accidentally elbowing your scenic in the face because you're trying to dress, you know, a shelf of stuff and they're trying to wallpaper something. <laughs> yeah. The same, the same wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming here tonight at seven. Like, this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it really, at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat, and everyone is just trying to to make the product look good, and you want everyone to be happy with your work at the end of the day. Absolutely. I mean, and then I think that's the thing. I, we haven't, we on our end right now, haven't started to get into uh, that piece of it yet, where we're we're either handing something off or stepping on somebody's toes yet but we're about to start in the next week i'll be very curious fingers crossed to see what happens (laughs) oh i wish you luck i hope it goes well i hope it's it's everything that you need it to be and i hope it goes really well thank you yeah Uh, yeah, of course it's i mean you can only you can only hope and be optimistic about it and then once it happens you're like oh nuts (laughs) (laughs) And then you just got to make the most of it, right? So you just, whatever comes your way, you just got to be able to deal and adapt. Yeah. And I I feel like a lot of shows, their numbers have gone down with COVID cases. Whereas when we were first starting up, it was, there was a lot of people that were having cases and then we kind of had to get more tests and there was a whole situation with that. And Atlanta was like on the brink of maybe a second shutdown. And they were like, I really expected it. I actually thought that was happening like at least two months ago, I thought that was a good. Uh, I thought it too. Yeah, and then just something, something changed. So I'll go. I'll take it though. I mean, yeah. I, to be honest, I have not seen Atlanta this busy. You know, it's it's funny. I was here for really two big films uh, when there was a bunch of Marvel stuff that was going on, and then it just kind of went dead for a little bit. I remember there was a summer I walked by. I actually go down to Pinewood where Marvel did a lot of the shoots. And it, it's kind of like that moment, you know, when you go to, if you're in high school and you go back to campus during summer and it's just, it's, it's just that, that feeling of there is nothing here and it's so dead and boring and it's like, oh, this is so depressing. And that's what it felt like during that moment. And then I remember when I started up on the next project right after this COVID stuff, uh, and I had not seen that lot so busy. I mean, to the point where you couldn't even drive down in between stages. So there was just so much activity. And just so, I mean, it was so crazy. And I think to your point, and that's just where all the studios like, we've got all this content that we said we were going to get done. We need to get it done now. <laughs> Immediately. So, yeah. Like, like you've got a week to go. <laughs> yeah, like um, we're coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And they, they are, and they've, and they've stayed that way, which is, which is surprising. So I know it's been insane. I mean, from, the workload standpoint, from the hiring standpoint, there is like so many people getting hired left and right and just calls the minute you have your wrap date, I need to know because I need I need you on the show. And it's nuts. Our prop houses are packed and that's how we want them to be because of this break that's been killing everyone. 
Oh, yeah. We've got our supervising architectures. I know several who are literally negotiating with each other for the same people. And so, uh, like, set designers in particular are really high in demand right now, and uh, especially the good ones. And so, everybody knows who they are. And of course, they want to hire them for their show. Uh, so, it's literally become a negotiation of like, okay, well, if you're going to get, if they're supposed to start on this day, then I'm going to, can I get two more weeks with them? And you know, it's like this. There's a whole kind of, you know, negotiation that's happening in the background, supervising art. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, it's yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things though, where I tell my set designers, I'm like, it's good to be a set designer right now. Because you can pretty much call your rate and call what you want, you know, call what show you want to work on because everybody wants you. So. Yeah. I mean, it is, it has gotten to a point where it's, I mean, I've worked with PAs that are now on their second show and now they're buyers and it's yeah. just, it's crazy. We just need people. That though, I think I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with that because that I have noticed that has happened quite a bit in the last few months where people have jumped up super fast. And I know that part of that is because again, there's so much you know, product out there uh, that they're trying to staff and resource, but they're moving people up. So it's, it will be, I'll be curious to see how this all kind of goes down. I am too. I, I am so interested in the, the comparison between having everyone be at an entry level position and then move up so quickly. Like I've always wondered, because I know in, when I've worked in LA, it's just, it's really hard to get work in certain positions. Whereas in Atlanta, it's just been a little bit easier because it gets really busy here. So if you know the right people, you get your foot in the door and it's a beautiful thing because you might not have had that opportunity somewhere else. And I, I always wonder what comes along with that and what's the difference between it? Cause I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think what it'll come down to is there'll be some people who will be able to, you know, they're going to make their mark and they'll keep moving on. But I think there'll be a lot of people who uh, take on more than they can chew and find themselves in a situation of being like, go to the show or whatever it's going to be. But uh, I think that's going to be the, the growing, you know, the growing pains of this kind of surge yeah. in production and just throwing everybody you can at these positions who don't necessarily have the background to do them. So, um, but you know, right. it's a good thing, right? Like my partner came out here from LA and that was one of the things I was going to be on you know, these two shows was on the Avengers movies. It was back to back for a year and a half. And so, and he had just made the change back in LA and wanted, to, he had just worked on uh, Gilmore Girls in LA uh, as a PA in the art department. So I said, look, I'm going to be here for a year and a half now. I've already been gone because I was here on Guardians of the Galaxy. So I was here for about 10 months already. So like, okay, I got another year and a half with these two movies. Why don't you come out here? Because the reality is, the, I mean, the unions in LA can be very hard to get in, especially. And he didn't necessarily know what he wanted to do yet. In the department, so, right. Uh, and, you know, now he's obviously moving into art and set tech. But, uh, you know, he came out here and it worked in his favor, right? So he was able, he, he, but he did the rounds, you know, he PA'd and he coordinated and he did all that stuff before he made his jump. Uh, and so I feel like he has a really good stronghold of those roles and what that means and how the department runs and what the job entails. Uh, so he's made his move and it was good for him in that regard. But I know there are people who are like, oh yeah, I PA'd, you know, they were the PA last year. And like you said, another, or the last show, another buyer. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens everywhere though. My, I had a PA in LA and then he was my boss. Then he was the, the designer on what we were doing. 
And so it, it's not it's not exclusive to Atlanta and it happens everywhere. It, it's definitely a film thing for sure, because we're kind of just the Wild West with our industry. It's like anything goes because oh, we're here. It's the Wild East. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it is, though. And that's what it kind of feels like here because it's, you know, L.A., I feel like is so, you know, they, they know what they're doing and it's so set in stone and there's so many hurdles and obstacles that can be in the way for all that stuff. But here it's much looser, right? So, I mean, especially like the unions here, you know, I know you can come in and in the same union, you can do, you can practically be a DP and you can be a buyer. You know, it just depends kind of how it works. It's kind of, it's, it's a one for all and all for one situation. Yeah. I didn't realize how different the unions were until I had moved. Because I had only worked in LA at a certain point in my career. So I thought that all unions had their books closed and all unions took three years to get into them. And they all took a lot of money and they, the dues were expensive. So when I thought about moving, it really impacted my decision because I was expecting for it to take me another three years to get into another union. But I moved to Louisiana and I was in 478 and then I moved to here in Atlanta and then I was in 479 and it. Yeah, it's it's great because I didn't have my grandfather. Um, it's called like the grandfather program where you get your benefits still, even though you work out of state for 44, because that's what the LA union is for SETEC. I didn't have that program. So if I hadn't gotten into my unions, I wouldn't have had health care. I wouldn't be paying into my retirement. I wouldn't have all the beautiful things that unions give you. So it was I was glad that it it wasn't as hard to get into that's great. And that's and on the opposite end of that, I know a set decorator who was working in Louisiana and when she came out to LA, it took her years to actually get her card. You know, like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, even though you've worked in it and you've been doing that job and you once you come to LA, it just it can be that much harder. Yeah, it's crazy. I that's why I'll never give up my forty four card because yeah. it's, it took me so long to get it and it was such an emotional day for me because I was so I think that's for everybody, though. I think when you get your union card, and it, I mean, you know, I, I'm from the LA world too, and, and I don't know necessarily if it does feel the same way here, but it, you know, as we're saying, that it can be somewhat easier to get into the union order right now. But, you know, in L, you know California, when you get that card, it is just like, it's that moment of like, finally, <laughs> yes, and you just want to like go out and you know, celebrate. So it's yeah. just such an amazing experience. Yeah, you just want to yell at everyone you see and be like, I did it! And like show them yeah. your jacket and your sticker. and you know, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so you get the first dues and then you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It gets you every time. Is there any really strange request that you've ever gotten on the job? Like the most bizarre set, like you had to build the 40-foot vagina hallway? Yeah. Um, is there, has there been any other ridiculous things that you've had to do? Um, I mean, that one obviously would probably take the cake as far as the strangest requests have been had. I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that can quite compare with that one, but I think that's like, it. Yeah. you know, but actually I take that back. I mean, this is, but this is the fun of art department and of movies and film, right? So you can have all of this kind of craziness, uh, an American horror story, we had this little set that we had to do and it was basically where you can find these two twins that are basically hung up and gutted. And it's just like, okay, so there's that moment. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like, you're like 
tends to go back to horror. So there must be something with horror <laughs> that takes takes you down that route. Uh, but it's just kind of funny, you know, in, the, in that in those regards. It's like that's those are things that you don't necessarily think about. It's, it's, it's a like I didn't think and to think that somebody has to think through that, right? Like it's this horrible image that you have to put on screen, and somebody has to think through, well, okay, well, how am I going to make this look gruesome and gross, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. Yeah, I actually personally, I've only worked on one, I guess the show that I worked on was considered a horror genre. It's, I forgot the name of Scream Queens. Yeah, yeah, I did Scream Queens in New Orleans for just a little bit before I moved to Atlanta. And it technically qualifies as horror because they're, they're made by the same people that do American Horror Story. Yeah. Did you work with Mark? Or was it with Andrew? No, I was just buying in set deck. So I was only working with my deck leader and we had a transition over and had a couple other fires and it was, it was nuts. <laughs> and there was like a need for buying tons of creepy dolls and there needed to be uh, severed heads and brains and jars and yeah. they were open a door to lots of things that look very dead and bloody. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With all that stuff. That's naturally. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's, and I did a show where we had to create a, basically the director wanted to create a behind the scenes of a spaceship where the actors are running around. And they're being chased and being shot at through all this stuff. And you go through and it's like, okay, well, now I have to figure out what do the guts of a spaceship look like and figure out some sort of maze that you have to concoct that they can, you know, climb in and around and over and under and get trapped between and do all these different things. And it's just kind of this funny thing. It's like, it's not all about big, beautiful grand staircases and architecture. It's about, okay, how do I create something creepy out of a bunch of mechanics? And then, you know, and dressing came into play all other, with a lot of that, obviously. Right. So of uh, it was us working together. We're like, okay. And that was with the, at that point, the, uh, the main decorator actually had left. And I was the only U S rep that was on abroad. So I was working with a local decorator to kind of figure that out. Come up and kind of go through like, what do you, and it was one of those things where we had shown the set, like he had been shown the set weeks or months in advance. And then when he got on stage, it was like, nope, this isn't what I want. I want something like literally a quarter of the size, but more compact and more junk in it and more stuff that they have to climb through. And you're like, oh my God. And it shoots the next day. So it was like, okay, show me everything you got. And we're just going to figure something out and literally just start Tetrising and stacking things and putting things in places, and hopefully this is all going to shoot. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a very long night, a very long and painful night. <laughs> yes, it was. So, and hopefully, like I said, the, the movie's coming out, so I'll find out in a few weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> I had decorated this giant mansion, and we were filming this scene in a closet, and the way they built the closet was so you could have a lot of enough room for the camera and the actors could move around and not be stuck. And you could fit a couple people in there if you needed to. And a wall was removable. So there's a lot of factors to this closet because there was this whole scene where a person was going to get discovered in this closet and there's a vacuum involved and it's supposed to be funny, but also you're supposed to be worried for her. And so there's a lot of things that are trying to get conveyed in the script. And then on top of that, the character of this house that has decorated this closet in theory, because in the script, like it's her house. So she would have had this closet with her things in it. 
she's very organized. And so I read in the script that this closet is very stuffed to the brim with things. And there's just tons and tons and tons of layers of stuff. And so I dressed it the way my brain would think this character would do it, but has a lot of stuff in it. And our director was like, absolutely not. This is not this character, not even a little bit. And I was like, and it was like hour 14 at that point. And I was like, I, I just, I just want to know what the right answer is. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is everybody just wants to do their job well, right? Like, yeah. Get thrown those curveballs and, and you, you're like, okay, but this is, but this is kind of makes sense. And we've talked about this or whatever. And then they throw that at you. You just, yeah, it's like the emotion. Yeah. Because in your brain, that thing looks a certain way to you, but it looks different for, for someone else because they've, they have this whole backstory in their mind. They have this whole character development that is not in your head. And so face value, you're like, organize, check. Lots of stuff, check. She can stand, check. She can knock things over, check. And, you know, it's just not what that person wants. And yeah, totally fine, because we have to deliver. <laughs> I have to say, as, as, as somebody who has worked abroad in a country where they speak different languages, too, I had a really interesting experience where I was I was with the set decorator and she was working with her local decorator. And I'm I'm in the room as they're having a conversation. And I can tell right off the bat that the decorator, the US decorator is saying one thing, and that the other decorator, the Romanian decorator is is saying yes, but not, you know, not getting it, right? And so it was kind of like one of those moments where it was, and I kind of remember I interjected just to be like, so just to be clear, because I feel like there's a little bit of a misunderstanding going on, you know, and it's one of those things because you, you can see it happening. You just watch it and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's yeah. so hard. That's hard because language, I mean, language in so many senses is a very hard to get across the creative side of things, because what is an obvious stereotypical thing to me, an American person talking to a Romanian person, what's obviously stereotypical to them is very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you, but you'd be amazed too. I mean, I was surprised at how, A, how well they spoke English, but there is that aspect. And, and what was interesting to me is that when I talked to like my local, uh, my art directors, uh, I remember talking to one of the architects, and I, I thought she had really good English. I was like, you know, I'm really amazed at how well you, you guys must have, must have, like, you know, spent years learning English in school. And she said, no, we watch TV. So there's that, there's the aspect of not only did they learn the language from watching TV, but everything now is in the perspective and in the mindset of what they're seeing on TV. So it's like a slang version and it's a, it's a cultural version of English and what, things might mean or say based off of what is coming across on a TV show. So oh. there, there was that kind of interesting moment where you realize, okay, this makes sense that why some things aren't translating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think about too. I was talking actually to Nick about this because him and I, I feel have very similar perspectives about the film industry and like how powerful it can be and how much it can impact different people's lives. And so we were speaking about this um, once and we were saying it is crazy how something that you create and you touch and you work on and you help build 
can impact someone's entire universe. Like their whole world could be changed by the thing that you are working on. 100%. Yeah. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And honestly, that's why I got into this business. I I changed careers kind of like, uh, I don't say midlife, midlife, but uh, later on in the most people. And I was always a film bot growing up. But I never really heard about the film industry. I never knew anything about the film industry. Um, and when I made, but I always remember being, I was always impacted. Like, and it was always the big blockbuster movies, which is, I think, why I kind of tend to go towards those movies because they had such a big impact on me growing up as a teenager. So anything from Back to the Future to Top Gun to any of that kind of stuff, I was like, yes, those are the movies that like formed my entire oh, 1980s life. I now take that in and I look at that and I was like, you know what, this is a great legacy. You know, the job I was doing before, I was like, it's so kind of impermanent in that regard, in the sense that I, I'm still being a creative person and I'm, I was working in retail and doing uh, creative design for retailers. I was like, this is a great moment in time. It's great for their checkbooks, for their, you know, again, like I was saying, you know, they get their sales and they make their quota for whatever they need to do for the year and all that kind of stuff. But that was it. And nobody's ever going to remember that. Right. So uh, I had that moment of like, you know, this is something that I was like, what will I, where's my mark that I'm going to leave on the world? Uh, and that's one thing I can say about film is films do have those impressions. Like I still remember like to this day, I'm not somebody who knows music very well. Like I don't know bands. I don't know groups. I was not one of those guys who's gone to all the indie rock concerts and all that stuff. But if a song from a movie comes on, I know exactly what movie it is. So it's like one of those things because it just, I relate it back to the movie and it puts me right back in that moment in time when I was a kid sitting in the theater watching the movie. You know, and back then, a lot of those songs became the hits, right? So like, they were constantly the big ones. Uh, so it's just, I think there's such a, there is an impact. I mean, look at like, you know, it's just kind of funny with Marvel movies and going to like something like a Comic-Con. Like I don't know if you've ever been to a Comic-Con. I've never been able to get in. It is a I moment. Tried. <laughs> it is a moment. Um, and it is kind of amazing and exciting uh, to kind of sit there and watch people who get so excited and so passionate about something. I mean, not to the point of just dressing up in it, but it's just they follow characters and they actually follow the people who work on these shows and these actors and they're very invested in these people. Uh, and it, it informs kind of what they do in their own lives and some of that you know, how they act and they, you, you listen to them in some of the, the sessions where they're talking about how this character has impacted these people, and, you know, it's changed, given them confidence in themselves or it's given them, you know, the energy to kind of be who they want to be and not be afraid of something. And it's just like, that's kind of amazing thing. And that's, and that's actually even for myself, when I made the career move, I remember there was a movie that I watched when I was a kid, 12 years old, nothing in common with Jackie Gleason and Tom Hanks. And it was all about, Tom Hanks was the son and he was working in the advertising industry in Chicago. And I remember watching that movie and he was on set filming a TV commercial. And I was like, how cool is that? Like, that is so amazing. And I went, I think I was like, I had to have been like nine or 10 to watch that. Uh, and I decided then and there I was going to do advertising. And I was like, okay, because I wanted that experience, right? So I walked all the way through and my dad was like, oh, you're not going to be, you know, advertising is so cutthroat. You can't do it. And when I graduated college or even when I applied to college, I wanted to go to advertising programs. And he convinced me not to do it because he's like, well, that's so specific. He's like, why don't you go for something broader? Go for marketing. So I actually was a marketing major. 
But, and even when I graduated, I had a job between a marketing job that was offering me $65,000 a year at school or a $7 an hour internship at an advertising agency. And my brother was trying to get me to do the $65,000 job because he was a friend of his who was kind of helping me get the job through. And I had to be like, no, I'm taking the $7 an hour internship because this is what I want to do, right? So, and it's like one of those things I look at it and I stayed in it and I worked through advertising and then I made the move into design and now I'm the guy on set working on these movies just like Tom Hanks' character was in the movie. So I'm actually doing the job I wanted to do when I was nine or 10 years old that I watched the movie and that's, you know, crafted my whole career. Basically. Oh, so, that is so awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but that's, again, they can, they can change, change lives. So. Yeah, I totally get that. I definitely, if you look at your life and for me, I always associate very specific moments uh, with a certain age. And if you look back on your life, I remember thinking when I would read uh, Spider-Man comics and I would think, I love that this person who's so nerdy and so clumsy and has bad things happen to him has now this superpower and is cool and like gets all these things handled because he had this experience. So he's a great person, but he's also super nerdy and still has a superpower. Like all these good things are make him a better person. Absolutely. Yeah. I always identified with that because I was like, I'm sure one day when I'm, less nerdy i'll find my superpower and i will be less clumsy yeah neither of those things happen i'm still very very nerdy and very clumsy but (laughs) yeah and now you you know now i bet you appreciate it i bet you appreciate it versus before you might have looked at it as a negative now you can say you know what actually it's not a negative and kind of being a nerdy clumsy person is actually a really good thing and you know got me to work yeah right helps me be more empathetic to different people in different situations because I've lived, you know, the ostracized situation in, you know, the playground when you're in elementary school and like you're the last to get picked. And I think everyone can identify with that. That's normally in our film industry because we were all those people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you think about it, the film and, you know, film stories in general, right? It's the underdog story. It's the, we, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in the same vein of, you know, one of those things where you just, and like the, the nerdy straight A kid and didn't do a lot of sports and all that kind of stuff. And you have film is an outlet when you don't have kind of a popular outlet to go to. You can go to these stories and live either other people's lives, you know, other ex- have that experience that you're seeing on screen. Uh, and you can either idolize that or idealize, I should say idolize, idealize that and create something as to work towards or something that you think needs to be kind of in your life where you can kind of appreciate that this is kind of all kind of faux bullshit that I don't need to really be a part of, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is something that, yeah, it looks great on TV and it it, it is what it is, but I can be my own person and be a happy person. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, the projects that you've done in your, your years of working, those straight up impact people's lives and just like the stuff I've done. And, you know, the most random thing that I did, the most worst, the worst show that I've ever done that I'm so ashamed of. And I'm like, Oh, this is garbage and terrible TV. Uh, a fan emailed me and was just like, thank you so much for creating my favorite show. Yeah. And it's, you just, you're like out of all the shows, really, this is the one, but yeah. everyone has a thing, you know, it's true. And you never know when, 
I, I do feel like there's those moments where you, you're going to have that, like you see your work up on screen or on a show and you realize I did that or I contributed to that and I helped make that happen. And that's, that's a really big moment. It's a, it's a, if I had a, um, I had a similar thing where when I was in Romania, which again, very bizarre, but uh, I went to AFI back in the day and I went to grad school there and Right before we graduated, they had reinstated what they called the Masterclass Series. And they brought in um, all these people to come in and talk to the school. And we had Steven Spielberg uh, and, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting who's the composer, John Williams. Williams, thank you. <laughs> Normally, my brain does what you're doing. So I'm really yeah. proud of myself for that. <laughs> okay, and, uh, thank you for that, too. Um, but yeah, so with John Williams and Spielberg, and they're in talking about collaboration, what this means. And they filmed it as part of their series. So this was back in like 2010, 2011. And so flash forward to 2019, or 2020 actually, and I'm in a hotel room in Bucharest, and I turn the TV on, I'm getting ready to go to work, and they're, they're showing the series in Romanian with... Uh, like Romanian subtitles, or no, I think it was English subtitles. I have to go back. I took a picture of it because it was so bizarre. But I, I, I had to laugh. I'm like, oh my God, that's us on screen. You know, it was like kind of this funny moment. And you realize that they're showing this in Romania. Oh my God. <laughs> people in another country are watching this and having this moment. But what was really funny to me was uh, somebody had asked uh, a question to Spielberg about kind of like what it means to kind of get into the business and, you know, Kind of like, you know, okay, well, how do we make the, you know, the big break or whatever? And Spielberg's comment was, he's like, look, not, not everybody's going to get out there and design a spaceship. You're going you're gonna to go out there and you're going to find these projects and you're going to make the most of them. And that's, a, you know, if you can just find those little things that you're going to do in this life, in, in, the, in that job that make it successful and kind of work towards it, go with it. But I had a moment of laugh because I'm like, I'm about to go. And I, I literally took a photo of this and put this on Instagram. Like, I'm about to go to work on three sound stages of the spaceship. So there's that moment where I'm like, oh my God, did I make it? You know, I was like, what are those things? Did I just have this moment where I'm like, oh my God, I'm that person that Spielberg is talking about. And I just, I'm working in another country building a spaceship. So it's just, it's, it's crazy that that can happen. And it's crazy that there are shows and TVs that are being, you don't even know what you're working on could be seen somewhere all the way around the world. And you have no idea that other people are watching it. And that, will influence somebody. They're going to see it and you may never know about it, but they're going to know about it and it's somehow going to touch them. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so awesome. And I love that Spielberg said that because it's true. The, um, the success of the projects that you work on do not amount to your own personal success. Your own success doesn't have to be tied to the projects you're doing. You could do crappy music videos that have a $2 budget for the rest of your life. But as long as you're happy and you feel like that is successful, perfect. 1000%. And that's what you have to do. I mean, every day you have to get up and want to go to work. So if you can get up and be motivated to go to work and when you come home at, day, at the end of the day, you feel like, yeah, that was good. You know, I had fun doing my job. I mean, again, I believe in that. Like that's, you know, I changed careers to get where I needed to be because I just wanted to have fun doing what I was working on. So if I'm having fun, then I know that I'm doing it. Then that's all that matters, right? So Absolutely. I have been very guilty lately of getting kind of grouchy uh, with certain situations at work. And I 
hate that because I don't want to be that person that's disgruntled in the workplace and I'm giving off bad energy to the people around me because I want them to be happy too. And I don't want them to be affected by me, Um, but it's so hard because when you are so passionate about what you do and when you're excited about the project that you're working on, you just care so much more. And it's hard when you care because that also leads to disappointment. And when you get disappointed. For sure. I mean, your emotions become intrinsically, you know, connected at that moment at that time. It's like, yeah, that's, you've put so much into it. You want it to be the best it can be. And yeah, but it can wear on you, right? I mean, this, this business can wear on you big time and can take a toll. Yeah. And it's, I had somebody tell me one day, it's like, look, you, every day you walk into the art department, you need to decide what your day is going to be like. And that was kind of some of the best advice because it's kind of, you know, other people are going to throw shit at you left and right all day long. You know, as an art director, we're constantly, we're, we're kind of the, Oh fuck people where it's like other people are calling us up being like, Oh fuck, we didn't think about this. Oh fuck. This isn't working out right. Oh, can you come to stage? Like whatever we just did isn't working and we need to figure this out. And you have to be there to kind of be like, okay, let's everybody calm down. (laughs) It's going to take a moment. We'll all regroup and kind of figure this out. And we're all here to do this together and make this what it needs to be and get it to where it needs to be. But that can take a toll on you. So it's kind of a, you have to kind of decide when you go in that day. And sometimes, you know, some days are going to be worse than others. And there, there are Sunday nights where like, luckily this is not one of those Sunday nights where I'm not dreading going into work tomorrow. But there are those Sunday nights where you're just like, oh God, please let this be a good week. Or I, you know, it would be so nice just to not go into work tomorrow. <laughs> but you just got to do it. And you have to decide yourself, who are you going to be when you walk through that door? And so. sometimes you're allowed to choose that you're not your best self. And yeah, you know, like the hurt, sad person that is a little disappointed with how things played out is allowed to show up for work. And that's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean that you can't be that person. Yeah, just, yeah sure. I think it's just you have to be like, okay, I can be, I can be that upset person. I just have to choose. Do I take that out on other people or do I not? And do right. I, you know, and I think, you know, do I find the humor in it? Do I try to find the humor in it? And think to myself, this is, and everything you have to say too is like, we are making movies. So at the end of the day, it's a fantasy world. It's a fun, you know, it's, this is what people use to distract from what's going on in their own personal lives and to disconnect from the stress of their daily work life. And when they turn on the TV, when they go into movie theater, you know, they're there to kind of just kind of let that all be and immerse themselves in another world for just two hours of their life or an hour of their life or 30 minutes of their life. Uh, and that's what we do is we, we provide an outlet, but it's, it is a movie. It's a TV. It's not, nobody's going to die. Nobody, you know, it's, nobody's murdered. There's not a criminal, you know, account happening. It was somebody's going to be sentenced to something because, you know, the wrong couch made it over when it was supposed to be the other couch that was supposed to come in. And it's like, okay, we can figure this out. Like it's, you know, and that's the thing that I always laugh at. It's like, you know, decorators and art directors and designers, we know this stuff. Like we, we do all this planning to think about what this needs to be and it has to be just right. And there's a, and, and there are very specific reasons why decisions are made, why that couch and not that couch. Right. So there are reasons that we make these decisions, but at the same time, is the audience member going to know that to an extent? So if it's couch A or couch B and they're similar enough, and it's still, you know, it doesn't, you know, obviously it's not, you know, 
it still fits within the set. It's not something complete, like a complete eyesore that you throw out. You don't want to see that. I don't mean that, but it's just more of a, if you have those two options and it's kind of like, is it your first option? Okay. Can you live with the second option? Yeah. Then we can figure that out. Like it's, let's all calm down for a moment and just remember that it's a TV show or a movie. And this, this will be on screen for how many seconds? And then it's off. And at the end of the day, the normal person that's tuning in is not doing what we're doing, which is, looking at every single item, looking exactly. at the colors, looking at the flooring. No one's really doing that. Exactly. And that's the thing. As long as long you just have to take that moment to step back, right? Like I love getting into the detail. I love getting into the new show. I love getting into the psychology behind all of it and putting your mind on and be like, okay, well this is the character and this is what they got. And you know, it's all that kind of stuff. But I think the really successful people, to be fair, are the ones who can take a step back and realize, okay, did I achieve what I needed to achieve? Is the, is the audience member, are they going to be distracted by this? Or are they going to, you know, if it's going to distract them, then certainly by all means that shouldn't be there. But if it's something that they will pass and will move on and it's not going to, it will keep going with the storyline and the character and everything is going to be great. Then we have to own that as creatives to say, yes, I wanted this, but I can live with that because I know really that that's okay. And it still meets, it still meets the needs of the film. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, the best bosses that I've had and the, the most enjoyable people to work with are always the ones that want to have a life outside of work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that is the hard part. And, you know, as somebody who travels a lot for work, I think we run into the, the, you know, when you're working like out of LA and you come here and it's a, you're just, you, you know, maybe you don't have a social network here, you know, other than like some of the other people in your own department that you've worked with or whatever. When you work abroad or you work on these travel shows, it's just you. It's just you and work, basically. For So you can, you can choose or you make the mistake, I think, of falling into, well, I've got all this free time on the weekend. I'm just going to work more on the show. I'm just going to spend more time working. Uh, versus no, take that moment and have that life. Because if you, if all you do, on, if you just focus on work and just, you know, your whole mindset is all about that, the entire experience, I think, A, you miss the fun of traveling, first of all, and being in a new place and seeing something fun. And, you know, even in Atlanta, when I first got here, I did not have a good time in Atlanta. My first, but all I did was literally go to work, drive to Pinewood, come back to Midtown, go to bed, go to work, come back to my town, go to bed. I mean, it was just, that's all I ever did really. Uh, and I was working on the weekends. And so it was like, I wasn't really enjoying the space. And then once Nick got out here and we were able to, you know, I had somebody here who was kind of like that person that I could hang with. And at that point, several of the people that had come out from LA to on the other show stayed here as well. And so I had now a little network to kind of play around with and do stuff with on the weekends. And that made all the difference in the world. And I took that when I went abroad you know, I'm somebody who I tend to, I, because I've also had a lot of management experience by managing a lot of people, I always try to have a little separation between kind of your friend versus manager role, right? So, and, and to an extent, I would always kind of be like, no, 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 if people would invite me to do stuff, I would say, no, I can't do that because I want to make sure that there's kind of a clear line between them. Uh, and after that, I kind of took that as like, you know what, I need to actually be a little bit more open to that because the reality is I'm shutting myself off from some of those experiences. And I took that when I went to the UK and even though I was managing, managing those people, they would invite me out to go have drinks with them and go, and I did. And you know what? They showed me parts of Bucharest I would never have seen, you know, cause they're the locals and they know where to go and have the fun. And, 
you know, I'm so grateful that I made that decision to do that because that made that experience so much better because of it. Had I just been doing the go to work moment and just go to the hotel, I would have missed so much, so much of that. And that would have been such a shame, right? Yeah. And why would you want to see a hotel more than you would want to see another country? You know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, that's the fun part. You know, it's, it's, I mean, that's the thing when you, when you can travel, absolutely. I, and if anybody ever gets that chance to travel, I say, take full advantage, get out there. You know, and I was somebody who like, I never thought I'd be that person who could go out on my own and just like go into a big city that I have know nothing about. And I don't speak the language <laughs> and just kind of, you know, roam the streets, you know, at like midnight and kind of figure out where some fun things are to do. Uh, but you do. And once you do, it just, it just makes life so much easier and you make friends and you have a really good experience. And now I'm still in touch with people. I just, one of the people that I worked with in Romania just texted me this week. So, you know, it's like, that's, you you make friends. So that's, that's how that works. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I have one last question for you and then we're going to, in this one, but I do love all of the advice that you've given other people because I love that perspective that you have, but is there any other advice that you could give anyone getting into the film industry, wanting to art direct or just any basic, really great advice that you've heard along your way? Yeah, I think, you know, and I think Nick is a, a prime example of this in my mind. You know, this industry, a lot of people come in thinking, oh, in fact, I just, I actually just had a call yesterday with somebody who was sent my way by my grad school uh, to kind of interview, you know, she just wanted to ask my feedback about the industry. And I said the same thing to her. It's when you come in, it's a lot of people are very overwhelmed about, do I have the right experience? Do I have the skill set? Do I have what it takes to kind of make, make it into this business? Because a lot of people know it's hard to get, you know quote unquote, get your foot in the door or to quote unquote, make it right. Making it by the way, can mean any of like a million different things. So that's all personal to what you want it to be, but just focus on you and focus on being yourself more than anything. But I think you all, you also have to realize that in this business, it's all about interpersonality and connections with people. So how you work with other people, when you have those experiences, when you get that moment to be a PA, make the most, most of that moment. Be the best you that you can be. Show those people that you can work. Show those people that you have a real interest in it because that's what's going to sell it and that's what's going to make them want to work with you. And if they enjoy working with you, you're going to get the call, right? So on the next project. Because a lot of it is just word of mouth and it's just it's relationships. And once you start making those moments and having, building those relationships – you're not going to need a resume because people are just going to know, Hey, you should call so-and-so. And you know, even if they never met you four other people who have worked with you, who think that you're a great person and would be great for this will put you up for that job. And so you just kind of have to keep that in mind. So you always have to go into it. You know, there's a lot of people who come in with a lot of ego and attitude. And I would say, check that shit at the door. <laughs> so you need to come in and be willing to do what you need to do. And, you know, be confident. I fully believe that. Yes. Be confident in who you are but also be self-aware, right? Where you're at in the position, where you're at in this grand scheme of the career ranking and know your role and know that you can ask people for advice. Like, I think that's the other thing I would tell people. There's a lot of people who get scared about asking questions. Do not be scared to ask questions. I think people who make the biggest mistakes are the ones who are 
who do something thinking that this is the right thing to do, and then they fuck something up, and they don't even know how big of a fuck up it is. And that's when you have that moment of like, why didn't you fucking ask me? <laughs> so I would just say, sorry, that was a lot of efforts in the moment, but uh, I would just say like, absolutely, you should feel confident about asking questions. You should definitely ask questions uh, and just be a nice, friendly person to work with. And if you can do that and make people want to be around you, then I think you are well on your way. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so, so, so much for spending this Sunday evening with me. Yeah. And I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin. And give my love to Nick. I will. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed the industry tales that Kevin just shared from an art director's perspective. I know we haven't done an episode about art directors yet, but I promise we will get there. And I also wanted to mention that we've got three episodes left until we wrap up this season and take a little hiatus for a bit. So I'm excited. I'm sure you're excited for all things to come. Check out our Instagram to interact with us and hang out for a bit. Go for Set Deck Podcast. We have a whole Gmail account that you can email until your entire heart's content, which is go for Set Deck Podcast at gmail.com. I'm sure you could have guessed that one. It's great, very original. So, yeah, do those things. We have a Patreon account. We've got merch, always to support us with your money. But if you don't have the monies, which is completely acceptable, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Very, very helpful things. Tell a friend. We like friends are all, all around. Friends are great. I know you guys are all here just to listen to my cat eat some cat food. So welcome to cat food time. All right. This is it. I'm signing off. This is Go For Set Deck. You know this. You listened and I appreciate you. I see you. You're great. You're amazing. Be an exceptional human today and every day. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.